It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, a belated Merry Christmas Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, whatever holiday you celebrate. Hopefully you had a great holiday season, but now it's time. It's game day here in Houston, Texas, as the 2019 Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl will kick off tonight at 545 as Texas A&M looks to close out their season with a win over the number 25 Oklahoma State Cowboys. Guys, just some house cleaning work before we get started. Make sure you're following us on all three of our social media platforms. First, you can follow us at Locked on Aggies. That is at Locked on Aggies, the name of the show. We post all of our daily content there. We post all of our daily podcasts there. It's a show you don't want to miss, and it's Twitter to where you're able to get instant gratification of the show. Second, follow us at Aggies SI. Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M written, visual, and audio. You can check out all that great work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, ask me how I'm doing, just ask about the show, do asking Aggies questions, whatever you want. You can follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. Don't wear it out at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Let's just go ahead and start breaking down today's game. We have a 545 kickoff. That game will be featured on ESPN for those of you staying at home. But we don't expect a lot of Aggie fans to be at home, and we expect them to be around NRG Stadium because according to the website 12thman.com, and the athletic department at Texas A&M, the Aggie section is officially sold out. Yep, it is a sold out crowd with College Station being so close to downtown Houston. You knew it was going to be a big game. This is a watering hole for former Aggie alums. So having that many people here is going to do major beneficial progress for the program. It's going to be a very positive maroon and white feel inside of NRG Stadium. The home away from home from Texas A&M. Quick preview on both these teams. The last time Texas A&M played in the Texas Bowl, it was the second to final bowl game for Kevin Sumlin. The team would lose to Kansas State that year. Then next year they would lose, they would beat Wake Forest and then eventually replace Sumlin with Jimbo Fisher. The new era started. Last time that Oklahoma State played in this game was 2001. The game was not called the Texas Bowl just yet. It was called the Gallery Furniture Bowl. Yep, that store owned by Mattress Mac, Jim McInvale. He actually had a bowl game for several seasons that was played in NRG Stadium. In fact, Oklahoma State was the very first team to win a bowl game against TCU in NRG Stadium. That was the very first year that the Houston Texans were around. So both these programs have ties to the state. They both have ties to the program. They both have ties to the the event. And both these teams are very excited to watch. Both these teams have strengths and weaknesses that are going to help build them up, make them a little better, make them probably a team that you're going to have to want to watch. And this is going to be a game that I think a lot of people are going to be tuned in for because as Mike Gundy said earlier this season, Texas A&M is probably the best seven and five team in the history of NCAA football. When you look at their losses, they have three losses to number one teams, 
a close loss to a number four team and a close loss to a then number eight team in the nation. That's their five losses. The difference between, I think, when you're comparing why Oklahoma State is ranked at eight and four and why A&M, although a difficult schedule, is unranked and not even getting any remote you know, recognition, it's when you look at the games they played. A close loss to a then-ranked Texas team, top 15 Texas team, by the way, and then two victories over a number 24 Kansas State and a number 23 Iowa State probably is the difference maker on what is allowing A&M to be in the, outside the rankings while Oklahoma State is inside the rankings. Both these teams won every single game that they were supposed to win. There were no surprise losses on the year outside of maybe Texas Tech. And in the Big 12, it's all about how good of a defense you start out with playing. If your defense comes out really hot and you look promising, it's going to be a good game. And I think that that's where you look at this Texas Tech team and you're like, okay, they were to get really strong offensive play super early. While A&M on the other hand, I mean, while Oklahoma State on the other hand, couldn't get the offense rolling until the third quarter. By then, it was just a shootout and it was points being delivered and Oklahoma State just couldn't put up enough points. Meanwhile, A&M, probably their surprise loss of the year would be to Auburn, who was playing with a freshman quarterback in Bo Nix, and they looked like they were a better and more competent team. That was the only game I picked this year for them to actually win that they lost. I had them going 8-4 and four on the year, and a lot of people had them going 8-4 and four on the year. So when you look at these two teams, a 9-3, and 8-4 was probably the best record you were going to get this year. And at the same time, you're seeing for A&M, two of these teams that are play, they played this year will play tomorrow in college football playoff, and they could meet up in the national championship with it being Clemson and LSU. Get some other notes out of the way. The Aggies will be shorthanded at the running back position. Announced on Sunday, Cordarian Richardson, the sophomore running back and backup to Isaiah Spiller, will not play in this game. According to Jimbo Fisher, he has personally taken a leave of absence. Uh, He has not left the program. He has not left College Station. He is still a part of the long-term plan moving forward, but he will not play this upcoming game, which means... Isaiah Spiller, the freshman running back, the guy who was supposed to ease his way into a potential starting role, is the only scholarship running back that will play in this game. Connor Blumlick, the backup quarterback turned also running back, dual threat guy, has the ability to run, works with the second team offense. If that doesn't say that the Aggies need death at running back and Zach Evans would mean the world to AM, I don't know what does. The team lost Jacob Cabote. He's now an incarnate word. Jay Sean Corbin entered the transfer portal and he could return based off maybe the decision of Evans, but so far there's nothing on that. They need a second back. Because I think if Richardson is sitting out, Maybe it's his lack of love for the game, and maybe he just doesn't feel like playing. Maybe that's the reason. On the flip side, Spencer Sanders, the quarterback for Oklahoma State, the freshman, will play in this game. Sanders suffered a season-ending hand injury where he had surgery on his right hand, his throwing hand. Drew Brown, the transfer quarterback from Hawaii, would actually play the final two games of the season 
for the team going one and one. But Mike Gundy did say that both quarterbacks would be seeing snap times, which means there will be two quarterbacks for AM's defense to prepare for. Uh, Sanders did bring the team to a uh, eight and two record, bef- I mean, a uh, um, uh, seven and two record, bef- seven and three record before the start of his injury. And Brown went one and one, defeating West Virginia and losing to Oklahoma in the Battle of Bedlam. We have a ton to talk about, and there's a ton to look at for what ways the A&M team that we know is powerful can win, or in what ways Oklahoma State could potentially be an upset, because they are the underdogs as a one-touchdown underdog favorite, and we're going to break all those reasons down why both these teams are must-see television to watch in just a quick moment. Guys, we know the holiday season can be stressful, and sometimes you're a little late getting gifts. So go ahead and go visit BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes fun sports t-shirts surrounding teams' most passionate moments, and it's a great gift for all fans. So go check out BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn, and feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts this holiday season. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for kickoff tonight in NRG Stadium. We will be there live breaking down everything you need to know about Texas A&M and their potential victory or defeat. That show will be on Monday. We'll be talking a lot about that. We'll be also previewing Texas Southern versus Texas A&M, the final non-conference game in basketball season before the start of SEC play. Let's look at this A&M offense. So right now, they're going to go in depleted at one position, running back. Isaiah Spiller is the only scholarship running back that will be active for the game tonight. And Connor Blumlick, a quarterback who was known for his dual threat ability in high school, stands at 6'4", 230, will be the backup running back to Spiller. So one way the team is definitely going to have to rely on is the legs of Kellen Mond. Don't get me wrong. Mond did find success running the ball as a guy who has that dual threat ability. When you look at him this season, he finished second on the team in rushing with 383 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He has success in the red zone. He does a lot of options where he keeps the ball and he'll keep it at the two-yard line and run it himself. The offensive line, especially in the interior, has done a decent enough job to allow Mond and Spiller both to score right at the goal line. But they're going to need Mond to probably run a couple of option plays or a couple draw plays where he's going to be actually holding the ball. It's a design play. It's not a, oh, I'm going to see what's happening. Oh, the offensive line is breaking down. I now have to run for my life. It's a, I have the ability to win with my legs. I need to go out there and actually use them. Because that could be the difference between a win or a loss for me and my team. I expect Mond, who averages roughly, I think it's nine yards, nine carries a game, to have more than 15 in this game. That's a bold prediction for me. I expect him to have at least 15 yards on the ground, 15 carries on the ground, because you're going to need him. Because when you look at the production that Spiller's been averaging, it's anywhere between 22 and 25. That's a lot for a first-year runner to start, and that's a lot for anyone. That's also with a, you know, a backup. 
he's averaging still 25 carries a game. You can't have that and ask for more, especially from a younger talent who's still figuring out what he needs to do and how he needs to best correct himself for this game. So I expect 100% Mond to play a bigger role in the run game. On the flip side, how do you stop the run game of Oklahoma State? The Pokes are going to feature not just a dual threat quarterback in Spencer Sanders, who probably could rely on his legs because if he is going to have issues probably throwing the ball due to the surgery he did have on his hand. But you also have the nation's leading rusher in Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard led the nation with 1,936 yards, 21 touchdowns, which was second most in the nation, and he was a unanimous All-American. And the biggest part of all, he is Canadian, and he was an All-American. So, Canada, thank you for giving us a great talent. That's all I will say. It's awesome to see more international players stepping up and becoming major factors as diplomats for the game of college football. And Hubbard will at least have a shot to become a diplomatic representative for the NFL level. But here's the thing about Hubbard's stats, which I think are a little flexed. The Cowboys have yet to face a run defense that was ranked inside the top 30 this year. A&M comes in at number 29. I still think, even with the loss of Justin Matabike, the star defensive tackle who will not play due to he declared for the NFL draft and he wants to protect his stock, I still believe players such as Jaden Peavy, Michael Clemens, and DeMarvin Leal will be able to do enough of a job to hold Hubbard to under 100 yards. We've seen this AM team hold running backs who had 1,000 yards under 100 yards in a game. Clyde Edwards-Hilary only got 58. Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas got 72. We've also seen this team give up over 100 yards. Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State rushed for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Najee Harris, Alabama, rushed for 114 yards. Averaged 5.1 yards per carry. I still think that the fact that AM has played seven 1,000-yard rushers this season and Hubbard has yet to face a top 30 defense, or a top 25 defense for that matter, that's going to play in favor of the team. Keep in mind, Hubbard is only 64 yards away from surpassing 2,000 total rushing yards in a season. He'd become the first player since Derrick Henry did it in 2015 during his Heisman Trophy campaign season. I do believe that the Pokes are a very talented team. But if there's one runner I'm looking at in this game, it's going to be Spencer Sanders. Mike Gundy said that they're going to play both quarterbacks. They don't know to what capacity or what style they're going to go up against. But, they are going to play both quarterbacks. In my opinion, what that's saying is, we're going to use Drew, Drew Brown, as our passing guy. We're going to use Spencer Sanders as our running guy. We've seen this happen before. 
out in Ole Miss, Matt Coral was the passing quarterback, while John Reese Plumley was more of the running style quarterback. And Plumley actually reached a thousand yards rushing this season. So A&M's been prepared for this type of defense and this two quarterback system style. We've seen it before, and they're definitely going to use it. The biggest question is, are they going to be able to hold this team to minimal yardage? And if Sanders is on the field, are they going to bite at the run and then the defense falls short for him to throw a beautiful pass down the sideline and pick up 30 yards? Because that could be a huge game changer as well. Reese Plumley could pass. He wasn't as good as Coral. He wasn't as uh, mechanically inclined as Coral. But he still could pass a ball. And he did it pretty well. So that's going to be something I think that we're really going to have to keep an eye out for for A&M on the defensive side of the ball. Speaking of defense, we have yet to preview what Oklahoma State's defense, one of the better units in the Big 12, can do to stop Texas A&M. And we have yet to give our predictions of who's going to win this bowl game. So we'll be breaking all that down in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, it's never too late to subscribe to the LockedOnPodcast.com. All you have to do is go to LockedOnPodcast.com, go to whatever device you listen on, whether it be your iPad, your iPhone, iTunes, Spotify, we're on all those sites. Go ahead and download LockedOnPodcast.com, especially with college basketball season coming up. We have over two dozen sites ready for your ears to listen to, for you to have quality content on a weekly basis. So go ahead and check out all that great content on LockedOnPodcast.com. Let's break down the rest of the game. A&M is going to be shorthanded at the running back position, which could also mean they rely heavily on the passing game. One receiver I'm going to be looking out for specifically today is going to be Kendrick Rogers, the junior wideout who was expected to be the big-time player for this A&M offense. Injuries derailed his season to really start off the year, and he wasn't really able to find a rhythm until midseason in that Ole Miss game. He finished the year with over 300 receiving yards and over three touchdowns. I expect him to be that X-factor player that we talk about at the end of the game. His size alone makes him a mismatch, and the Cowboys have a great cornerback that is going to be locked down on him, and that's going to probably decide the game, but if he's able to get maybe two or three big-time catches, that could set up for big-time runs from Spiller or Mond or short passes to Courtney Davis or Jamon Osbin. All those combined could make this team very promising for Friday's matchup. A player also I'm going to be looking at is the emergence of Kenyon Green on the offensive line. With the Aggies going out and getting three three plus star guards in Chris Morris, Okale Ungunjabe, I'm, I'm so sorry, I butchered that name, I know I did, and Josh Bankhead, Green could potentially move back to his natural position of tackle. And seeing how he performs tonight against the front seven could be something that we see as part of the future plan for the program. If Green struggles in the trenches, they may have no choice but to move him back outside, especially if one of those three can emerge as a potential starter since all three will be early signees and be on campus in College Station in January. I'm going to watch him see how he performs as a pass blocker, and if he continues to thrive in the pass blocking but struggle in the run game, 
they may move him outside to either left or right tackle. Carson Green could move to either left or right tackle, and we could have a battle between the three players to see who are the best options for the starting role. I think for sure, Green is the one to watch for no matter what, because if he has been a five-star recruit, he was the big-time name for the offensive line, he was someone who we could see potentially be the long-term starter. He actually worked with the offensive line of both guard and tackle, so I definitely think he'll be back on the starting line, but where he fits, tonight's game could give us a little more insight of what his potential role is for the 2020 season. It's prediction time here on Locked on Aggies, and let's start breaking it down. The Cowboys will win if they can... My thought, establish a run game. With the loss of Matty BK and with the fact that they're playing a little shorthanded on the defensive line and Hubbard's ability to win at both the second and third level of defense, that's going to be key. He's only 64 yards away from surpassing 2,000 yards. He'd become the second running back in Oklahoma State history behind Barry Sanders to surpass that in a single season. So uh, that's something that you have to watch. That's something you have to see. If they can go ahead and establish a run game and continue to get to that second and third level, have the safeties, have Carper and Damani Richardson and Devony Renfro and Elijah Blades, all of them come back and be a part of, you know, making the tackle. They're averaging probably six yards a carry. That's going to be a difference maker. Six yards plus six yards is 12 yards. That's the first down. And then all you got to do is just put up points in the red zone Touchdown, field goal, you're still scoring. Your defense, although it is Big 12 and people make fun of the Big 12 for not playing proper defense according to everyone, even though there have been some quality players come out of the Big 12 defenses, I still think that this team is still a predominantly offensive-minded team. And if they can use their best offensive player in Chuba Hubbard and he can get points and average multiple carries a game that are over 10, 15 yards... This could be dangerous for AM, especially in the trenches. You're relying on players who have had rotational roles to be key focal points for the defense. So, in my opinion, personally, I see this as a moment for this team to really step up and show that Matty BK was just one player and he didn't define the team. AM will win if they, same thing, establish a run game. With no Cordarian Richardson, Isaiah Spiller is going to get a majority of the carries tonight. More so, he's going to be that X-factor player. If he's getting held to minimal carries per game and he's not making a name for himself on the ground, that's going to lead to some trouble later on. That's going to lead to games, I mean drives ending with three and outs. And we've seen what happens when AM goes three and out early. They definitely are not going to be able to put up those points. And if they do, they're going to have to rely on their defense to stopping this powerful rushing attack that finished second in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma. And they did it really with only two guys in their backfield. They didn't do it with that many. 28 touchdowns and I think 27 came from Hubbard and Sanders. That's where you're going to have to stop. And if the run game for AM can't open, it's going to be a lot like the LSU game. You're going to rely heavily on Mon trying to get out avoiding pressure and also making plays with his feet, keeping drives alive, and hopefully finding an open target. 
And we know how that's gone. And it hasn't been pretty. Final prediction. Who will win this game in the end? I do believe that both these teams are better than their records say. I think that you could say that A&M could have finished 9-3. and They probably could have beaten Auburn, and they definitely could have beaten Georgia. If not for that rain delay and that sloppy first half, maybe Georgia's not even in a New Year's Six Bowl. Because they would have lost three games. On the other hand, we've also seen this A&M team, when they struggle early, it kind of replicates how they look for the remainder of the game. So it's going to rely on that offense, putting up points, driving downfield, and making a play at some point in that opening drive, or in the second drive, to show that they are ready to actually compete against a Big 12 opponent. There's a lot of history with this game. A&M holds the record 17-10 all time. This is the 28th matchup. And I do believe that SEC play will start with a victory in favor of A&M. I do think that even without the plays of Cordarian Richardson, this A&M team has the ability. They've played against top-level ranked opponents to where they really are the best 7-5 and team in the history of college football. Not many teams, you can say, have faced the number one team three times in a season. In fact, there are no teams you can say that. AM's the first. Not many teams have lost to five top ten teams in a season, and, all f- and four of them are playing in bowl games that kind of matter. I think that this AM team is built for the future, and they're going to show why they are a team to reckon with starting tonight with a 35-17 victory over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. We will be back on Monday to break down the positives and the negatives of the 2019 Texas Bowl. We will have live audio from the game. We will also be talking about some of the players who could be leaving and maybe have seen their final game in College Station in an Aggies uniform. But that's going to do it for this edition. We will see you on Monday. And remember, kick them, y'all. This has been... Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.